MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, July 26, 2021. Today, two members of Congress ask Maine Justice to investigate whether the Tom Barrick case was inappropriately suppressed. The NSA did not target Tucker Carlson, but they unmasked him because Russians were talking about him. The Mississippi Attorney General asked SCOTUS to overturn Roe during the fall term. More details emerge in the sham elections in Florida. The White House is making more homeowners eligible for lower mortgage payments due to COVID-related hardships and where we should be looking in the Kavanaugh cover-up. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. How was your weekend? It was okay. It was okay. It seems like they fly by. Um, I got to watch a little of the Olympics and uh, a rough first U.S. women's national team soccer game and then a much better second game. And so, yeah, that was pretty much my weekend in the opening. Um, Can we talk about drones? What the fuck? In the opening ceremony of the Olympics, did you see it, A.G.? I didn't. I missed it. <gasps> it was magnificent. So if you did see this, and you'll know what I'm talking about, I don't know how many drones it was. I think it was something like, I don't know, 400 or 4,000, whatever it was. They were all flying in unison, forming a globe oh. and like perfectly spherical in the sky. It was magnificent. Anyway, so that and just, there was just some really great parts to the opening ceremony. So I'm glad I got to see him. That's wonderful. Wonderful. I'm so happy that you got it. And I, I missed it because I'm in Vegas this weekend doing a bunch of stuff here. So that's kind of, again, if my sound is off, it's because it's because I'm in a hotel room. And of course, they put me in the hotel room right next to the giant air conditioning unit. So, And because the sound is reflecting off of a mirror over the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the stripper pole can sometimes interfere with the Absolutely. sound waves. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Make sure you Clorox wipe that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure they give you wipes to wipe down your stripper pole. Yeah. We have a lot of headlines, Dana. We'll be going over them in the A block. And then I'm going to take a little deeper dive into the new calls for investigations into both the handling of the Tom Barrick and Kavanaugh investigations. Good. And then we'll be back, you and I, for the good news. I did have a wonderful time in Vegas. Thank you for asking. I placed a bet that Tom Barrick would not flee the country to the United Arab Emirates, which has a non-extradition treaty, which does not, I should say, have an extradition treaty. And uh, this is following his release on $250 million in bail. And we'll find out today whether or not he shows up, but I think he will. I hope I'm right. And this is just breaking. I want to get this out here. Nancy Pelosi has appointed Kinzinger to the 1-6 commission. And Asha Rangappa made a really good point on social media. She said, we need to stop referring to them as anti-Trump Republicans and start mm-hmm. referring to them as pro-democracy Republicans. 100%. I just saw that tweet. I agree. I agree. Yeah, the messaging is important. We have to get better at it. We suck at it. Democrats suck at messaging. We really do. (laughs) Because we don't use the Kremlin playbook. Uh, We do have a lot of headlines to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The lead stories today are the investigations of Kavanaugh and Tom Barrick, two separate investigations. And I'm going to cover them in more depth later in the show. But in the meantime, 
Here's some headlines. Mississippi's attorney general urged the Supreme Court in a Thursday brief to overrule Roe v. Wade next term when the justices review Mississippi's ban on virtually all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. I've been over this in depth on cleanup and aisle 45, so this isn't really breaking news, uh, but the filing is calling the court's precedent on abortion egregiously wrong. Attorney General Lynn Fitch who's a Republican, obviously, explicitly set the dispute over Mississippi's restrictive law on a collision course with the landmark 1973 decision in Roe that first articulated the constitutional right to abortion. This is a quote, the court should overrule Roe and Casey. And that's what Fitch is writing in this briefing, referring also to the court's 92 decision in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Quote, Roe and Casey are egregiously wrong. They have proven hopelessly unworkable. What? Seriously. And nothing but a full break from those cases can stem the harms they have caused. Now, this is really interesting because the initial argument here was, you know, with the 15 weeks. Right. And and what we what we're probably going to see, at least from the experts I've talked to, is that this Supreme Court may allow states to dictate at how many weeks of pregnancy you can't get an abortion. But to bring in the argument that they're just egregiously wrong is a whole different thing, and it might fuck this case up, and I hope it does. I agree. Now, Supreme Court precedent tracing back to Roe prohibits states from banning abortion before fetal viability, which occurs around 24 weeks. And the Mississippi law will be reviewed during the court's upcoming term, which begins in October, creates only narrow exceptions from its 15-week ban. Quote, the court cannot uphold this law in Mississippi without overturning Roe's core holding. That's Nancy Northup, president of the Center for Reproductive Rights. And she told reporters in May when the court took up the case, the stakes are extraordinarily high. So what basically Fitch is saying is like, hey, if you rule in favor of Mississippi and allow states to decide what weeks to define their own viability, you will be overruling the core of Roe, right? Mm -hmm. But to come right out and say you have to overrule Roe and Casey because they're just egregiously wrong is kind of a insult to the court (laughs) like so i don't know how that's going to play like you could you could get what you want it's like when trump came out and said uh you can't violate the hatch act specifically by saying bad things about trump you didn't have to add the (laughs) trump part you know right you can't oppose or support any candidate for political office but he wanted to throw his name in there this is how that feels to me you know what i mean yeah now this restriction passed in 2018 is just one of hundreds of abortion measure state legislatures passed in recent years many with the explicit goal of overturning roe this year alone lawmakers in 46 states have introduced more than 500 abortion restrictions according to an april analysis from the guttmacher institute of those more than 60 measures have actually been enacted Abortion rights advocates have warned that overturning Roe would have a cascading effect at the state level where anti-abortion activists have been carefully preparing for just such a contingency amid the SCOTUS conservative shift. Abortion opponents now face a more a far more sympathetic Supreme Court, as we know, because, you know, we've got Amy Coney Barrett, who's Mm -hmm. just Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale. But the former president's replacement of the late Ginsburg, Amy Coney Barrett, who I was just talking about, that cemented that 6-3 conservative court. So. Mississippi's appeal comes after losing two rounds in the lower courts. They've lost twice. In 2019, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, which is a pretty conservative circuit, held that the state's restriction was an unconstitutional ban on a woman's right to terminate an unwanted pregnancy before viability. The appeals court found that Mississippi restrictions violated an unbroken line dating to Roe v. Wade, in which Supreme Court has consistently reaffirmed, consistently, a woman's right to choose an abortion before viability. But Fitch made no secret of Mississippi's desire to see that line of cases broken. So that's kind of why I'm like, this is a really just sort of a dumb argument. 
Quote, on a sound understanding of the Constitution, the answer to the question presented in this case is clear and the path to that answer is straight. Okay. No, it's not. None of that makes sense. Under the Constitution, may a state prohibit elective abortions before viability? Yes. Why? Because nothing in constitutional text, structure, history, or tradition supports a right to an abortion. A decision in the case Dobbs v. Jackson's Women's Health Organization is expected. That's, that's this case, Dobbs v. the Jackson's Women's Health Organization is expected in summer of 2022. So they're hearing arguments this fall. We'll know summer of 2022. Oh, this, it, it gives me anxiety, but hang in there. Like you said, hopefully they're too dumb to actually pull us off with their arguments. So that's our hope because that's usually what happens at this point. Also in the news this week, new details have been released in the investigation of former Florida State Senator Frank Artiles. This is over his involvement in running scam campaigns in an attempt to disrupt the 2020 election. So we've talked about this before. With his trial expected to begin August 30th, prosecutors are firming up their case against the former GOP lawmaker in a political corruption case the Tampa Bay Times reports, quote, has roped in prominent players across Florida over the last several months, including a GOP-linked research firm in Gainesville, a top knob-for-profit Miami hospital network, and a veteran Republican operative who leads a Tallahassee-based political organization. So according to the Miami Herald, new revelations show that Florida political operative Alex Alvarado is linked to Artiles, was funneling money to sham campaign officials in an effort to disrupt key 2020 Senate state elections in the state Senate in Florida. So the report notes that documents released late Friday provide new details into the breadth of the criminal investigation into Artiles and his longtime acquaintances. Alex Pedro Rodriguez. We covered this before because mm-hmm. Matt, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt was involved. Now, this is a quote. Prosecutor said Rodriguez was recruited by Artiles and paid some 44000 to change his party affiliation from Republican to no party to qualify on the ballot and attempt to sway the outcome of the Miami-Dade Senate District 37 election. So GOP candidate Yaena Garcia won the race by 32 votes. Rodriguez, who shares the same surname as a Democratic incumbent, which was not a coincidence. By accident. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> received more than 6,000 votes. And that's from the Herald. So between June 15th and November 15th of 2020, Artiles was under contract to work for veteran Republican political operative Pat Bainter for $15,000 a month, court documents show. Bainter paid Artiles $90,000 and reimbursed him for his travel, a courier service at $4,000 for, quote, research, and that's according to these documents. So as part of the scam, one woman who was pregnant and pretty desperate for money agreed to take $1,500 to chair a political committee with no plans to have her do any work. <laughs> so in testimony, a 25-year-old, Haley DeFilippis, explained to investigators she was listed as the chair of, quote, The Truth, which is a dark money-funded political committee that spent $180,000 on political mail advertisements promoting sham candidates in key 2020 state Senate elections, two in Miami-Dade and one in Central Florida. <laughs> so so let me get this straight. The prosecutors actually found the lady they put in charge of this. Yes. That they paid her to be a, a chair of a political committee, like a no-show job that didn't really do anything. And she is now, she's cooperating and testifying against these, against this group in this sham candidate election. That's amazing. Feels like maybe they should have spent more than $1,500, but who am I? 
<laughs> so she was later paid. Oh, I got it. Okay, so I'm sorry, four thousand total. Mm. She was later paid twenty five hundred dollars more for the quote inconvenience after reporters called up asking about the group. So they're like, oh shit. Sorry, you had to take the fall for that. Here's some more money. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was pay for inconvenience or silence. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe silence. Oh, God, pregnant woman. I don't even want to think of what they threatened. Okay, so this is a quote. Artilis signed a contract with Bainter on June 9th, 2020. The next day, Rodriguez met Artilis and Artilis Palmetto Bay residents to fill out campaign forms, according to investigators who noted in an arrest affidavit that Rodriguez had no prior knowledge as to what forms needed to be completed to qualify as a candidate for elected office and relied on Artilis' instructions. Bad idea. That's from the report. It went on to say, neither Bainter nor Gardner have responded to phone calls or emails seeking comments since the Herald learned that they were served subpoenas. The powerful GOP-linked research firm based in Gainesville also served as a general consultant for Republican Senate campaigns during the 2020 election cycle. So our good friend Robert Denault, who is knee-deep in this shit right now, in this investigation, he is studying for the bar exam this weekend, or we would have actually had him on to discuss this. So in the meantime, let's send him all the good vibes in the universe, and we'll have him on again next weekend to discuss the case in more detail, but we want to make sure that he is going to be good and ready for his bar exam. So otherwise we would have had him, but we'll get him here. We'll get him here. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and put some beans on, let's see, Bainter, whoever paid this pregnant woman, I'm going to put some beans on, on there being a charge for bribery or extortion or obstructing justice. That's what I should say. hundred percent, hundred percent. It'll be interesting to see. And yes, good luck to Robert Denault on your bar exam. Break legs. I don't know what they say for lawyers. <laughs> Well, some lawyers are breaking legs, so let's not say that. Oh, yeah. Wrong lawyers. Okay. (laughs) Next up, the NSA has found no evidence to support Tucker Carlson's accusation that the agency had been spying on him in an effort to knock his show off the air. That's according to two people familiar with the matter who talked to a publication called The Record. And, And high five to The Record for this scoop, by the way. An examination by the spy agency prompted by congressional inquiries found that the Fox News hosts' communications were not targeted as the NSA had already told us publicly, nor were they intercepted through so-called incidental collections, which is kind of what we thought, right? Like he was talking to Russians, they were listening to the Russians, etc. Right. And that's where the U.S. government sometimes obtains the emails or phone calls of Americans in contact with a foreign target who's under surveillance. And that's according to these same people who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Correspondence between intelligence agencies and oversight authorities are conducted through classified means. Instead, the nation's top electronic spy agency found that Carlson was being mentioned in communications between third parties. (laughs) And his name was revealed through unmasking, a process in which relevant government officials can request the identities of American citizens and intelligence reports to be divulged, provided there's an official reason, such as helping them make sense of an intelligence document that they're reviewing. They're like, I can't understand this unless you tell me who this person is. You know, so like, let's say two Russians are talking and they're like, boy, I'm glad to have blank on our side. He's really helped us blank. Blank has helped us with this and that and this and that. And you're like, well, we have to know if this is a government official or not. Right. We have to know if they're talking about, of course, Eric Trump or something. And it turns out it's Tucker fucking Carlson. So of course it is. And, and he wasn't booted off the air. He wasn't arrested. He's not, you know, he, they, they just unmasked him. The NSA obscures the names of Americans mentioned in its finished products. That's to protect people's privacy. But if you have to know who a couple of Russians who are, I don't know, plotting some fucking active measure 
who they're talking about. Like, boy, Putin is really, really likes blank. And I hope that they can set up a meeting with blank. You know, you, you, you need to know who that is. And then they see Tucker Carlson and they're probably like, ah, well, fuck that. We don't care about that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. Right. So that's that's what happened. So we were we were sort of close, but it wasn't an incidental sweep. It was it was that Russians were talking about him and the NSA was like, we actually have to find out who that is to make sure we're not. It's not a government official, somebody we should be like exceedingly worried about. So good. So good. There's also a video going around. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but this guy, they meet me in a bait, a bait and tackle yes. shop or this, <laughs> yeah. this like father, this really, you wouldn't expect is just sitting there just like giving Tucker a tongue lashing about what a piece of shit he is. And Tucker's like, my daughter's here. He's like, I don't give a shit if your daughter's here. You're the worst thing that's ever happened to this country. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. That and the Rand Paul video where someone calls up oh. and says, hi, I'm a proud Kentuckian. And I just want to tell Rand Paul to go fuck himself. Oh, go get fucked. That's what she said. Go get fucked. Yeah, I want to, to tell Rand Paul fucked. get fucked. And the lady handling the calls is like, OK, yeah, we'll go on to the next caller. What happens on a live stream. Sometimes there's magic. And a little bit of good news before we get into this next part, a little bit of good news. Homeowners with certain government-backed mortgages could get their monthly payments reduced by 25%. If they're still struggling to make payments, the White House said on Friday as part of efforts to help keep people housed amid the pandemic. Now, the move targets those with loans backed by the Departments of the Housing and Urban Development, Agriculture, and Veterans Affairs. They will be brought closer in line to those backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Homeowners who are still, quote, looking for work, retraining, having trouble catching up on back taxes and insurance, or are continuing to experience hardship for any other reason, they're all going to be eligible. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau last month finalized new protections for struggling homeowners as it seeks to prevent a wave of foreclosures in the coming months, but it stopped short of a blanket ban. So Black and Hispanic U.S. mortgage borrowers are much more likely to be delinquent or in a forbearance program than white borrowers. That highlighted how the COVID-19 crisis is exacerbating systemic racial disparities. And um, this is data from the CFPB. So according to Reuters, the Consumer Watchdog Agency is also scrutinizing mortgage services compliance with pandemic relief programs, which they need to do because... It needs to, they need to make sure all that's happening the way it should, because we have a feeling it might not be. All right. I'm so glad that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is back in good hands. 100%. Honestly. 100%. There's so many parts of our government that I'm back. I'm glad are back in good hands. Like all of it. Yeah, all of it. Fair. Uh, and I just wanted to add, too, that when, when I was talking about Tucker Carlson and, and how they had to make sure it wasn't something exceedingly bad, it could be exceedingly bad tucker could be doing exceedingly bad things and he is exceedingly bad i just want everyone to know that i'm just saying the reason they unmasked him is because they need to make sure they need to see how bad it is and what's kind of going on okay just wanted to get that out there all right we'll be right back with a deeper dive into the recent news about the kavanaugh tip line the fbi and white house lawyers so stay with us after these messages we'll be right back hey everybody it's allison gill for the daily beans fewer better things That is the philosophy behind Kuyana, the San Francisco-based brand that encourages customers to purchase fewer but better quality pieces. Uh, Kuyana believes in making long-lasting bags, accessories, and clothing from high-quality materials that you'll wear every day and treasure for years. Their leather bags are timeless, functional, and versatile for all occasions. I love them. Every product Kuyana makes sets the highest standards of craftsmanship while also working toward their sustainability goals. The pledge to create products responsibly and provide a way to recycle every product through their Second Life programs is amazing. 
Kuyana is founded by two women who share the vision of offering environmentally conscious products that stand the test of time, both quality and style-wise, by the way. Kuyana really opened my eyes to the disposable fast fashion industry. And after getting a Kuyana bag of my own, oh, it's so wonderful. I've embraced the fewer, better lifestyle. I love it. I love the sustainability. I love it was founded by women. I love it's based in San Francisco and their stuff is really good. I got the leather travel case set too. It's Kiana's best-selling item and I can see why. It's multi-purpose design includes two leather cases, one small and one large, and they're great for traveling, which I do a lot. I love using these to pack my toiletries and my beauty essentials for when I'm on the road, but also placing them on my bathroom vanity. It keeps everything organized nicely on the road or at home. Kuyana never goes on sale, but a special offer. You can get 10% off your first order of over $150 plus free shipping by visiting kuyana.com slash dailybeans to get your individual code. That's C-U-Y-A-N-A, kuyana, C-U-Y-A-N-A dot com slash dailybeans. Start shopping fewer and better at kuyana.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I don't have any interviews today because there's a couple of things I wanted to break down. I wanted to talk to you, you and I, face to face or, you know earbuds to earbuds. But I hope you all heard my interview with Frank Faglusi on Friday about the FBI's background investigation into Kavanaugh. When the news dropped that the FBI sent 4,500 tips to the White House and then Senator White House called for the Department of Justice to investigate the FBI, I have to admit I was a bit surprised because we all knew, all of us who were, who were listening at the time to Mueller, she wrote back then, we all knew that the White House had put limitations on the FBI with regards to what they could investigate. And we also learned from Frank on Friday, this was a background inquiry, which by policy, long-standing policy, means they cannot investigate any leads they get. In the background check, as Frank pointed out, the client is the agency asking for it, not the American people. The FBI are working on behalf of the White House at this point, not us. And this, this happens all across the government with the FBI, as you heard in the interview. An agency will ask for information. The FBI gathers it and gives it to the agency. The agency is the one tasked with making the decision as to how to use that information. Make sense? Now, a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't they refer it over to the Department of Justice for prosecution? Bill Barr was there. That's why. And they can't do that. It would have to be the White House that does that. This is just long-standing policy. If we have to address the policy, we address the policy. Cool. Now, I'm not saying I don't want the inspector general to look into this to see, make sure the FBI did everything on the up and up. I, I want to make sure of that. And I'm sure everyone does too. The FBI's job is restricted to getting that information and forwarding it to the agency. They are not permitted, as I said, to follow all the leads as they would for an investigation on behalf of the United States. And I was confused as to why there was finger pointing at the FBI when the bullshit was perpetrated by the White House and the White House lawyers. And I'm not sure why everyone wants to investigate the FBI instead of the White House or, you know, at least why people aren't calling for a probe into both, as I said, though we likely already know the outcome of the probe into the FBI. They would find that the FBI followed their longstanding protocol for how to conduct a background investigation. But if there was anything untoward, I would like to know about it, as I'm sure you would, too. But all this pre preemptive attacking is, is not helping democracy. Anyway, in light of these facts, I wanted to share with you some reporting from October 2018 from the New York Times when all of this was going down. I just want to kind of put everybody back in that time when this was happening. Quote, an exasperated President Trump picked up the phone to call White House counsel Donald F. McGahn II last Sunday. Tell the FBI they can investigate anything, he told Mr. McGahn, because we need the critics to stop. Not so fast, Mr. McGahn said. 
Mr. McGahn, according to people familiar with the conversation, told the president that even though the White House was facing a storm of condemnation for limiting the FBI background check into sexual misconduct allegations against Judge Kavanaugh, a wide ranging inquiry like some Democrats were demanding and Mr. Trump was suggesting would potentially be disastrous for Kavanaugh's chances of confirmation to the Supreme Court. It would also go far beyond the FBI's usual supplemental background investigation, which is by definition very narrow in scope. The White House could not legally order the FBI to rummage indiscriminately through someone's life, Mr. McGahn told the president. And without a criminal investigation to pursue, agents could not use search warrants and subpoenas to try to get at the truth. Trump backed down, although he said publicly the next day that the FBI should interview anyone they want within reason. But the episode on Sunday was further evidence of the confusion, including on the part of the president, about what would happen after Senator Jeff Flake, Republican of Arizona, forced a one-week delay in the confirmation vote of Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court by calling for a new FBI inquiry. So from the start, there were different expectations. I'm still reading from this New York Times article from 2018. Democrats hoped for a full investigation, even as they were skeptical that one would occur and angrily said on Friday that the White House had quashed it. The White House had quashed it. In all, 10 people were interviewed and an 11th declined to cooperate. But the FBI did not interview two people at the center, Kavanaugh or Christine Blasey Ford. Representative Gerald Nadler, who we all know, declared the FBI efforts to whitewash this investigation and vowed to open a new investigation into the sexual misconduct allegations if Democrats take control of the House in November's elections. So this is before we had control of the House. And Nadler was like, you're whitewashing this investigation. I want to have an investigation into the sexual misconduct allegations, not what the FBI is doing, not what the White House did, but into Kavanaugh. Quote, we have to assure the American people either that it was a fair process and the new justice didn't commit perjury, and did not do these terrible things, Mr. Nadler says. Has Mr. Nadler opened that investigation? No. But White House and former FBI officials who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss the inquiry said the week-long examination of charges against Kavanaugh was similar to the many previous times that the Bureau has been asked to update a background check of a nominee to account for new information. People familiar with the process say the White House is always in charge of background checks and can limit the scope of the questions FBI agents can ask and who they can interview. In the case of Kavanaugh, McGahn instructed the FBI to do an additional background check focused exclusively on the sexual misconduct charges leveled by three women. In talking with Republican senators, White House officials said it became clear to Mr. McGahn that there were four people whom senators wanted to be interviewed. Deborah Ramirez, who alleged Judge Kavanaugh exposed himself to her during a college party. Mark Judge, a high school friend who's said to have witnessed an assault by Kavanaugh on Christine Blase Ford at a high school party. And two other friends who Dr. Blase said were at the party, P.J. Smythe and Leland Kaiser. Late Friday, Dr. Blase's legal team sharply criticized the inquiry and said in a statement, an FBI investigation that did not include interviews of Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh is not a meaningful investigation in any sense of the word. The goal of the inquiry, White House officials said, was to look for witnesses who had firsthand accounts of sexual misconduct. The inquiry would not include questions about whether Kavanaugh was frequently drunk or had been misleading in his Senate testimony. They would not. Nuts. McGahn. Armed with that list, FBI agents began conducting interviews. The White House was kept informed as the agents did their work with summaries of the interviews, known those 302s. They were sent to the White House as they were completed, which is what's supposed to happen. Officials said that in a typical supplemental background check inquiry, agents would be required to ask the White House for permission to expand beyond the initial list of interview subjects. That's what Frank Figlusi was talking about Friday. But they insisted that the FBI was not required to do that in the case of the allegations against Kavanaugh. Over the course of the week, they said, agents decided to add a handful of other interviews to the inquiry. 
So the FBI actually added other interviews. According to a list distributed by the Senate Judiciary Committee, FBI agents also interviewed Timothy Gaudet and Christopher Garrett, two high school friends of Kavanaugh, who were listed in the judge's 1982 calendar as having attended a high school party. In addition, agents interviewed a lawyer of one of the friends. Agents also interviewed two potential eyewitnesses to the episode alleged by Miss Ramirez, as well as one of her close friends. The FBI did not identify the three, but two of them were Kevin Genda and Karen Yarosavaj. Now they are now married and knew Miss Ramirez and Mr. Kavanaugh in college, according to a lawyer briefed on the matter. Mr. Genda and Miss Yarosavaj were each interviewed for more than two hours. And although Mr. Genda was viewed as a potential witness to the episode, it's not clear whether their statements offered any support of Ms. Ramirez's account. In addition, the FBI agents collected written statements that had been submitted to them from other people. Those statements were also sent to the White House and forwarded to the Senate Judiciary Committee. The contents of the interviews have not been made public. Early Thursday, the White House sent the summaries of the interviews to the Judiciary Committee, which made them available to senators. Senators had this, including White House and Coons. Now, of course, we didn't have control of the Senate at that time. White House officials insisted that neither McGahn nor any other West Wing lawyer prohibited the FBI from interviewing them. But some former law enforcement experts say it was an odd decision not to include the two people at the center of the controversy. Robert Cromwell, former FBI agent who oversaw sensitive background investigations of political appointees, doubted that agents decided not to interview Dr. Blase and Mr. Kavanaugh on their own. I don't think that this w- that was in the parameters of the request, he said. That's what I would assume. It would be frustrating as an investigator. Yeah, it'd be frustrating if you were in the FBI. The nature of investigators is to get to the bottom line. You'd want to talk to both of them. So what happened to the House Judiciary? Why didn't they discuss and investigate the White House after we won the majority? And why is everyone going after the FBI when it was, this is me now, sorry, just so you know. I don't understand what happened to the House Judiciary or the Senate Judiciary. The senators had this. They were given this information. And, you know, everyone's going after the FBI. But it is the White House that made these decisions. And particularly, it seems like Don McGahn, Trump wanted to go ahead and investigate everything. And McGahn was like, no. Everyone is so eager to clothesline the FBI and the Department of Justice instead of the source of the bullshit, which is Don McGahn in this one. So let's investigate the entirety of the exercise from top to bottom. Do I think Kavanaugh will be impeached? 100% no. Not in this Senate. Not as it stands. And I don't think there's a mechanism to declare his appointment illegitimate and have him removed that way. But a criminal investigation into the tips sent to the White House should be conducted, as well as an inspector general investigation into the White House lawyers McGahn's handling of the information they received from the FBI in the background inquiry. That's what's going on. Just wanted to put that out there and uh, remind everybody of sort of what we were already talking about and what we already knew and how this blame has shifted from McGahn to the FBI all of a sudden. Anyway, we'll be right back with more news about the Tom Barrick indictment. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the beans. I used to dread making small talk at parties, waiting in long lines at amusement parks, but now I almost kind of miss them. There are signs that things are getting back to normal. And I'm even looking forward to getting a little bit of a sunburn at the beach this summer. But what's helped me get through all the weirdness is Best Fiends, my favorite game. I take it everywhere and it puts the crazy world on pause and makes your brain feel like it's lying on the beach all year long. Since I started playing Best Fiends, I don't want to stop. I'm on level 2806, I think. (laughs) And I've been making progress with my collection of characters, obviously. Best Fiends is so much fun with thousands of puzzles, adorable collectible characters. They challenge your mind. There's something new every day. It's always fresh. It's one of those games that makes 30 minutes feel like 30 seconds. And I love their new updates. 
with new events and challenges that I've unlocked and, you know, tons of new characters. And the world is beautiful, visually stunning. I absolutely love it. It's relaxing. My favorite thing is how you get to strategically team up with each character based on their special abilities to gain extra points and items to level up your fiends. I absolutely, it's so, it's so strategic. It's got a lot of strategery. It's so much fun. And best of all, it's free to download and it doesn't require the internet to play. So there's just so much to love about this game. Give it a try. Let me know if you love it as much as I do. Download the five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends, free today on the App Store and Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's chat for a second about the Tom Barrick indictment. Two Democratic members of Congress are asking the Justice Department's Inspector General, that's Horowitz, to open an investigation into whether the probe of Trump ally Tom Barrick, who was indicted this past week, was inappropriately suppressed. Now, it's after CNN reported Wednesday that prosecutors had enough evidence to charge him last year, well before the 60-day window before an election, by the way. Now, Reps Ted Lieu of California and Kathleen Rice of New York requested an investigation, quote, into whether Mr. Barrick or any other friends of the former president, (laughs) any other friends of the former president, were given special treatment by the Department of Justice during the last administration and whether his case was inappropriately suppressed. Any other friends of the former president? Let's look at those now 11 still redacted cases that were handed off by the Mueller investigation. Quote, we understand prosecutorial discretion. They wrote in a letter dated Thursday and obtained by CNN, but that discretion can never be based on how wealthy or connected a defendant happens to be. No one should be above the law, not the former president and not his friends. A bedrock foundation of our democracy is that every person is treated equally under the law. And we know that's a big thing for Merrick Garland. He's not going to be able to turn an eye away from this. CNN reported that federal prosecutors wanted to move forward on the case and believe they could obtain an indictment. That's according to a source familiar with the matter. The source said the investigation was largely completed well before the time period when prosecutors are discouraged from advancing politically sensitive matters ahead of an election. As I said, that 60-day window, that sort of unwritten DOJ policy. Actually, maybe it's written. But two sources told CNN, oh, and by the way, This is always a good time to bring up the fact that Bill Barr put out a memo saying any investigation into a political appointee, et cetera, et cetera, has to go through me. Now, Barrick wasn't running for anything, but Barrick ran Trump's inaugural. Barrick is a close ally of Trump, could be considered an investigation into somebody very close because I believe the memo also said any of their staff, you know, like you can't investigate if you want to investigate Trump or Biden or any of their staff, or any of their support staff, campaign managers, etc., you have to get my permission first. So don't forget that. Now, Bill Barr, the then Attorney General, had reservations about foreign lobbying cases, particularly since the Justice Department had struggled with such prosecutions in the past. And this was one of those. You know, Barrick, as we know, head of real estate and private equity firm and his real estate company, Colony, and a longtime Trump ally, served as a chairman of his inaugural committee. He was indicted Tuesday for legal foreign lobbying on behalf of the United Arab Emirates in connections to with what prosecutors describe as an effort to influence the Trump campaign and the first year of his administration in efforts to and successfully did, by the way. There's plenty, tons of that in the indictment, which I went over on Mueller, she wrote yesterday. In addition to asking the inspector general to examine the circumstances surrounding Barrick's indictment, Lou and Rice also requested the inquiry look at whether any other friends of the former president were given special treatment by the Justice Department. Looks like Looks like the post here is is taking note of that particular part of the sentence, too. Any other friends? Rudy, for example. 
We didn't get his search warrant executed until after Trump was out of office. And, you know, I've posited with some other experts that I've talked to on on this show and on Mueller, she wrote that perhaps these investigators, these prosecutors were sort of sitting on these waiting for a more favorable attorney general or even U.S. attorney, because as we know, the U.S. attorney Donahue in the Eastern District wasn't big on Farrah charges either. So maybe it's as simple as that. But, you know, with the with the bar, the Bill Barr requiring these kinds of investigations to to have his permission, I'd be surprised if he didn't know about it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But the inspector general is going to look into it, I hope. We haven't heard the announcement yet, but I imagine they will. All right, we'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of the show is brought to you by Everlane. When it's hot outside, I love a cold shower, an iced coffee, maybe some ice cream. Some of the greatest pleasures in life are also the simplest. And that's why Everlane makes premium quality essentials that complement every wardrobe at a more transparent and affordable price. I love Everlane's clothes. I, I, they're so soft, and I bought a ton of their tank tops, and I love them. I live in them. And I recently got their Recotton Henley tea as well in a citrus color. It's military-inspired classic, is made for warmer days. It looks and feels amazing. They're so luxurious and light. And they're made of 60% recycled cotton fabric that's soft and breathable. Everlane has made quality clothing with ethical factories and radically transparent pricing since 2010. They do extensive research and vetting to use ethical factories that provide fair wages and reasonable hours to skilled people who craft their clothing. Timeless design and finest sustainable materials so you can wear them for years to come. I love Everlane's exceptional quality. It feels good to wear clothes that are ethically made. Everlane has everything you need to upgrade your summer uniform. So check out their amazing sustainable swimwear collection made from 13,768 pounds of recycled plastic. That's amazing. Everlane has everyday essentials you need from uh, damn good denim to super soft loungewear. So go to everlane.com slash dailybeans and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. And get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to Everlane, E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E dot com slash Daily Beans and sign up. And today's show is also brought to you by the best mattress company in the world. You know them. I know them. We love them. It's Helix. I've had my Helix for over two years now and it's sleeping on a cloud. It's so amazing. You can finally get the good night's rest. All you need is two minutes. Just go to helixsleep.com slash daily beans, take their two minute sleep quiz, and they match your body type and individual sleep preferences to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. As you know, I used to toss and turn all night, wake up exhausted and sore, but now I sleep better. You know, like I said, I've had my Helix mattress, what, for almost two years now. I wake up feeling refreshed and rested. And with Helix, you get a mattress that's customized to be perfect for the way you sleep. I was sleeping on a mattress made for someone else before. (laughs) And Helix has soft, medium and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot like I do. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And they have a Helix Plus mattress for our beautiful plus size sleepers as well. I took the quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed. I sleep on my side. You all know that about me. It's interesting, but it's perfect for me. It's a huge upgrade over what I used to have. And I had one of the top brands in the nation. I always have. And the delivery and setup was fast and easy. They have over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving sleep. Man, they have a, they have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. And they even have financing and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is not never far away. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash daily beans. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash daily beans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. So if you're sleeping on a my pillow, you can get rid of your trees and pillows and get these two free pillows. Just do it at helixsleep.com slash daily beans. You'll be glad you did. 
Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, idioms of the world, idiots of the Senate, misheard lyrics, shared swears, <laughs> find the cat, happy places, what the mutt, town twisters, limericks, anything you want to send in. How dumb is Louis Gomert? It's a fun game. Uh, white supremacist gang names is fun. Uh, you can send that by going to uh, dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. I'm going to kick us off, Dana, with a submission from Wendy, pronouns she and her. Your favorite school nurse here with some good news and a misheard lyric for you. Good news. We are currently on the road traveling to the Outer Banks for a beach vacation. Nice. Our oldest, who's nearly 20, has chosen to drive. One of the things about him is that he talks a lot, like a really lot, a lot, a lot, <laughs> always has. So he's driving and he's got beach music on, which is tradition for us. And uh, on comes the song Barbara Ann. He pauses for a moment in his monologue and says, who is Bob Moran? Fair question. <laughs> like, I've heard this song, but who is Bob Moran? And I just about lost it. I'll include pet tax for my pony Cheerio oh my while goodness. he gets a nice ice bath on his feet. You can tell by the photo what he thinks of the whole thing. <laughs> Want to give horse breeds a go? Oh, look at this baby. Oh, my goodness. I would not know the first thing about horse breeds other than they're majestically well, magnificent. Don't start showing off, Miss Well. <laughs> I can't see um <laughs> I can't see the the face from the side but doesn't look like an Arabian because they have that dipped nose. Okay, that's you know what I do know what a Clydesdale looks like so I shouldn't say that. But I'll say this is a thoroughbred. There you go. And probably part chow. Yeah, it's got a nice chestnut color with a blaze on the face. <laughs> But the cool gray body is really cool, is awesome. I haven't seen that before. It's almost buckskin. I like it. So oh, and he's got gorgeous. socks. Oh, I love this horse. Tell us what kind it is. My favorite school nurse. I want to know what kind of horse this is, Wendy. I would All love right. to guess. But you got to give the profile. For sure. All right. This next one's from Scott. Pronouns he and him. Hi, Beans Queens. Scott from Brisbane, Australia. Been listening since the kitchen days. Just wanted to say how nice it was to hear Jordan on the MSW pod again to finally gloat over Tom Barrick's indictment. I've attached two pod pet photos. First is Lexi, my old girl that shuffled off a couple years ago in her sleep at the grand old age of 18. And Lily, my goddaughter's one-year-old girl. No need to guess the breed on these two as they're both straight up Australian blue cattle dogs. Seems like cattle dogs get around. Yep. I'm surprised how many dogs in the States have a bit of cattle dog in them. Love your work. Look at these beauties. Beautiful indeed. I am too actually surprised. 18. 18. Wonderful. 18 wonderful years. That's so... Oh, this next picture is gorgeous from David. Yeah, Pronouns he and him. It's a stressful world. I just wanted to share a pic of the lower... Oh, why are you doing this to me? Seuss Law River in my town of Florence, Oregon. Sounds right to me. Whatever gripes I might have, I can always tell my troubles to the wind. Cheers. Oh, cheers to this you. Is- beautiful sky look how big it is gorgeous i'm gonna pick up the next one too from kelly pronouns she and her idioms from around the world i live in chile for a while i lived in chile for a while and they have an idiom for when someone is or is doing something really dumb okay so this is louis gomert's idiom all right mas tanto que sagar de guata translates to dumber than taking dumber than taking a shit while lying on your stomach (laughs) Oh, my God. And then she says, I think this might cross over to Louis Gomert, who is Mastanto que cigar de guata. Uh, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Kelly, thank you for that. And the good laugh. And sorry <laughs> if I got any of the pronunciation wrong. I, 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 even though I lived in Arizona and I lived 10 minutes from the border, I fucking took German and Latin in high school. OK, so that's how. Of course you did. Yeah, I know. Of course you did. All right. 
Thank you so much, Kelly. From Paul, pronouns he and him. Hey, Beans Queens. I'm a bit behind on episodes, but wanted to send a hearty congrats to AG on leaving USAA. I pieced out from their business after they decided to charge interest on emergency loans for Coast Guard members during the longest government <gasps> shutdown a few years back. I was out by this time, but as a former Coastie, I felt that they could do without my money for their crappy decision during a rough time. I guess you can chalk it up to a classic case of Semper Paratus. Someone forgot us. As a pet tax, I leave you with picture of one of my cats, Chupacabra, a nickname that just stuck for some reason, peering out from one of his favorite hidey holes, an old pair of jeans for some reason, and this picture is adorable. Oh my gosh, Chupacabra. But so it just stuck, nickname that stuck for some, was he sucking the blood from goats or? Oh Look my how goodness, cute. adorable. Yeah, I had no idea that they were charging interest on loans to the Coast Guard. That's just shitty. Ugh. I feel like the stories like that, like I think, and whether it was true or not, but I think it was like 9-11 or, you know, something charging for cases of waters for the firefighters. Like something happened back then with one of those companies. Mm. Well, yeah. Well, but I mean, you remember the shutdown. Coast guards didn't get paid, so they they were getting loans. I and they were the USA was charging interest. That's absolutely awful. Yeah. I'm glad I left them too. Next up, and thanks for your service, by the way. Next up from Tom, pronounce he and him. A combo limerick and Gomert is dumb. There once was a rep named Gomert, who truly was dumber than dirt. Though Russia Ron did seek to knock him from that peak, mm-hmm. Louis' reign he could not subvert. Nice. nice. In lieu of a pet pic, I'm sending a picture of my adoptable chihuahua mix named Little Girl. That's a great name. She's at gimmeshelteranimalrescue.org. So this is an adoptable chihuahua mix. She's wearing a beautiful sweater that looks like it was knitted by my grandma, so Evelyn. Sweet. And she is available at gimmeshelteranimalrescue.org. Is she really so cute in that sweater? <laughs> I know. It's such a cute sweater. I feel like it smells like rose hips. You know, that's so cute. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for your submissions. I will, we appreciate them if you have any. And and thanks for listening to Muller She Wrote. I'm so glad that everybody enjoyed Jordan's cameo appearance. I had to bring her on. I was like, come on, come on. Tom Barrick was your quarterback. You win. She totally won the entire fantasy indictment league with that indictment. All right. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out here, Dana? Nothing, nothing. It's going to be back. I'm enjoying this week and I'm going to soak it all in because after I have a week off after this for work, but uh, knock on wood that I actually am going to do a job, but still, so I'm going to soak (laughs) up this week and be with you every day until then. All right. Love it. Everybody until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.